Hello and welcome to The Fear, a podcast about the overlap between comedy and horror. My name is Sarah Morgan. Hello. Uh, in this show, Fear, I invite my favourite funny people to talk about what they are scared of. To crystallise their thoughts, I ask them to bring in their three biggest fears. Number one, a fear from their childhood. Number two, their favourite scary moment from film or TV. And number three, a fear they live with now. And we discuss their choices in the judgment-free environment, hopefully arriving on the conclusion that we are all scared of something. Sometimes, at the moment, we are scared of bloody everything. This week, uh, I'm mostly scared of my own disgusting human frailty, by which I'm an ever-cold and I feel very sad and my voice doesn't sound sexy like Phoebe's did in that episode of Friends when she got a sexy cold voice so I'm gutted Um, but I've had a lot of hot and sour soup and a big word with myself so I'm ready to record this intro for one of my favourite episodes my guest this episode is John Blythe better known to the world as Log Uh, Log is uh, a very old lovely friend of mine he's also a brilliantly funny writer um, he was a games journalist for many years. He created the website Law of the Playground, which span off into a book and a Channel 4 series. He's a host of the Regular Features podcast, which is genuinely one of the funniest podcasts in the Podniverse, which is a word I've just invented. Uh, he also is uh, the landlord of a pub called the King Billy, King William IV in Nottingham, which is the best pub if you like dogs and nice beer. I was really pleased to sit down with uh, Log and talk about uh, loads of things, but I really wanted to sit down with a friend who knows me really well and talk about anxiety, because it feels like, I don't know about you, but how your anxiety is at the moment. My anxiety's having a nice time, Um, probably for completely understandable reasons, but even so, anxiety's not particularly helpful in getting stuff done, but talking about it is quite helpful. So I sat down with a friend and we talked about our anxiety and how we can respectfully tell it to piss off uh, when it gets hold of us. Um, you can find Log on Twitter at Disappointment. Uh, you can find his podcast on there at Regular Features. You can find us on there too at The Fear Podcast and you can rate and review the show on iTunes. And if you are the person who left an anonymous two-star review negging mate i am now fully obsessed by you <laughs> I, how you know me too well you are the only review i care about you, two stars don't bring a knife to a gunfight i will go back and i will give myself one star how about that how do you like them apples yeah why am i so basic uh anyway so everyone else who left a nice review or thing on the itunes thank you uh, I care nothing for you. It's Mr. Two Stars I'm obsessed with. Or Miss, either way. Oh my God, it could be a woman. <gasps> Amazing. Anyway, uh, enjoy the chat with John Blythe and I will see you next time. I'm sorry for my creaky voice. It's spooky. Goodbye. Hello. Hello there. You brought some BBC sound effects wine with you. That's good. <laughs> I always like to let people know what to expect by making a <laughs> really gl- obvious glugging gl- sound. Gl- when wine, I like a radio for drama about women in kitchens. <laughs> Have you seen what Jack's been doing down the twitchel? <laughs> okay, you were talking about the archers. No idea what happens in the archers. I don't know either. I just don't, I've never heard the word twitchel outside of my childhood in which I used to live in a house that backed onto a twitchel. Or a gimel. Oh, I know what a gimel is. 
Because you well, can't stop Nottingham. a pig in a ginnel with them legs. Well, in Nottingham, you wouldn't be able to stop a pig in a twig shop. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> we still call pigs pigs, though, so it's... Okay, good. You'd be able to get... It wouldn't be indecipherable. If you hear a slight jingling in the background, it's my cat, Booty and his attention-seeking collar that jingles. So that's what the jingling bell is. So thank you so much for doing this podcast, John Blythe. John Blythe, who I will knuckle log for the rest of the recording. It's weird if I don't. How are you, how are you in these terrifying times that we live in? I don't know. I mean, are you, obviously you're talking about Trump, aren't you? I'm talking, uh, I don't know. The nice thing is, is that, like, it's so, it's like scary on scary on scary on scary that, like, every time I think I've reached peak horror I'm kind the of, horror just keeps coming and I, I'm now like it's hard to feel horror now you yes. just sort of widen your eyes a little bit more and, and all this all the fear mongers mm-hmm. and their exactly accurate predictions of what yeah. will happen next you just go yeah everyone's right what do I do and just you can't say anything you don't nothing you you can tell the truth it's ignored you can make a joke and people assume you're joking in a way that offends them the most and there's nothing there's, there's no way to communicate anymore that's no it. sort of after brexit and all that like you did a very eloquent podcast that was sort of beautiful and uh articulate and numbing and sort of like, did it feel that way to you i thought yeah. it was just four sullen what three sullen men not knowing what the hell to think or do but that's god all we have is honesty though you know what i mean they, that's what's lovely about fear if you just tell people you're frightened then then uh do we all just chill a little bit it's a bit like when you go to a party and you're like I hate parties. And everyone else goes, God, fuck me, I hate parties as well. And you all hang out in the kitchen and it's all the party haters in the kitchen. Yeah, um, those moments, though, when you do actually manage to dance. Yeah. And they go, oh, my God, this is what we're all doing. <laughs> we're all, this is- I know, I thought that, I loved that podcast. It was, because um, it had that, just the kind of honesty of people going like, fuck, and, and that horrible feeling of this is as bad as it's going to get. Let's look over the pond where life seems to be getting better. And that annoyingly <laughs> smug thing that I, I think I said at the time, well, mm. well at least in a few more months, mm. we won't be the stupidest country on earth. And then you, you say it as a joke, yeah. and then suddenly everyone else is making that joke for real six months later. Mm. It was like, yeah. <laughs> Are you, would you Pessimistic. say... Pessimistic. Are you... <laughs> is everything awful now? Are we all fucked? Well, how are you make? How are you making sure that we're not all fucked? What are you doing? Well, I have... You, a white man. Me, <laughs> the patriarchy. Me, a man who runs a pub in Nottingham, <laughs> who has... Well, on the day after Brexit, I mm. said, I'm going to make all the music on my playlist European for tonight. <laughs> if anyone wants to come in and have a little sad face, then please come in. Oh, my God. But I think there's some kind of comfort in knowing that a lot of the people who come to the pub are distraught. Yeah. But it being a pub, yes. and not like my real life, where everyone is unanimously anti-Trump, anti-Brexit, mm-hmm. Yeah. you have to deal with the people who are savagely pleased with the way things are going wow and not be and I have to bite my tongue and not be someone who says fuck off, <laughs> fuck off right yeah. out of my pub here's your three quid for your stupid pint bag <laughs> your British pounds because until this yeah, until this I kind of liked all these people yeah and I still have to admit that they're probably alright well yeah the best fe- thing to think is that people operate from a place of fear like everyone acts because they're frightened and they and and if you try and empathise with people like that, like, oh, I've, no one, 
Yeah, but what fear motivates yeah. niceness then? The, the, fear, the fear of not being popular. Yeah, is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The fear of not being popular or the fear of losing your job or the fear of, like, yeah, going against the status quo or fucking, I don't know. Turns yeah. out that people are actually assholes and racists and misogynists and, and they're fine with that. That's the thing that freaked the shit out of me. It was like, what was really funny is... Yeah, I've been brought around people who swear by them they're not racist, but they <laughs> openly use the words like packy and stuff. Wow. It's just like... like Jeez. It, in my family, mm. I have relatives who will sort of like say, say it back and then sort of mm. stop and say, well, of course I can't say that around you, can I? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, does that actually stop you? And then drawing attention to it. <laughs> uh, so you are like uh, one of the funniest and kindest people I know in the world. And I am, <laughs> I'm sorry, I know, no pressure. We've been having conversations recently about panic and fear and anxiety and I and I think it's such a what's the word I'm looking for a a thing that we we've only just sort of starting to admit to ourselves that if you are a funny person and an optimistic person and a kind person who thinks about other people you are also incredibly prone to fear and anxiety well the optimism thing I always is optimism a curse (laughs) is it it sort of disempowering the fact that you just kind of think everything's going to be okay so you just don't feel the need to be too much of a a big part in things. Right. I mean, on a day-to-day basis, it gets me by because I think, oh, it gives, when when I have stress during exam periods, which is a long time ago, but I still have nightmares about exams to this day. Okay. I'm 42 years old. Wow. And I still have nightmares about French exams, French oral exams. (laughs) Wow, really? for that reason, I can still... Because I've said it so many times in dreams, the phrase, Maréchal Pétain, un signe l'armistice, mais... (laughs) <laughs> now is that because <laughs> is that because you genuinely are nervous about Franklin or do you think it's like just a kind of glitch like a uh, like a bug in your brain that that's the thing it's stuck on you know that's the anxiety thing it's stuck on like I like I have had when I was a journalist, I had panic attacks about going to interview certain people. And it was nothing to do with that person, but if I still see the oh person's name written down, I get anxiety attacks. And I know it's like, I couldn't give a fuck about that celebrity theatre and the film that they're in tomorrow. But it was like... I never had to interview celebrities. Luckily, yeah. I was a, a journalist. Yeah. If you you can't use the word journalist in the games industry because you're a games journalist, you're yeah, you have worse to preface it with the qualifying. <laughs> yeah, one of the games journalists that doesn't hate women. Hang on, what's the deal with games journalism? Explain it to me quickly. I left the, the games industry just before mm. that GameGate thing kicked right, off. Okay. Basically, GameGate it was a prelude to Trump. It mm. was, I mean. But it seems so harmless because it was just like disenfranchised men on the internet. You know, what are they going to do? Men who... I say harmless. It was horrible, but also... They were disenfranchised, but they were firing in such the wrong direction. Like They felt like their video games were being taken away without looking at the release schedule of hundreds of video games <laughs> for them. Just one indie title would infuriate them because they saw it as a... It's that thing that people say when, mm. when you come from a position of complete mm. privilege, yeah. any challenge to that is yeah. seen as oppression. Yeah, and that's absolutely. Like it's, and just one game where a girl explored a house and discovered her own history and the history of a family. Her story. Um, like, <laughs> yeah, take that, Michael Jackson, with his story, you idiot. <laughs> you big man on a barge person. <laughs> <laughs> Float that down the Thames, you gold cunt. Honestly, I mean, that's just, there's no fish in that barrel to shoot Michael Jackson jokes. But yeah, but we were talking about, like, brain glitches 
Well, I think I think genuinely, if you're if you're a person who's prone to anxiety and prone to nervousness, your brain will just have a little like a computer, like a bug in it and a glitch, and and the thing that it sticks on is never the thing that you're actually anxious about. Well, I don't know. I think I'm self. You're still like, I'm self policing enough that mm-hmm. everything I write is always so couched in attacking myself, right? That anyone else attacking me almost seems redundant. Like they're joining in. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. Well, not even joining in. It's just joining in would be like, well, why are you kicking this sad, self-lacerating <laughs> horse? <laughs> a self-lacerating horse? Oh well, yeah, that's, that's the saddest thing I could think of, lying down and cutting itself. How would it even hold the razor? <laughs> in its mouth? It's got four hooves. It could use diagonally opposite sure. hooves. Oh, that's, that's awful. Yeah, but, you're not a self-lacerating horse. No, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. But, um, it's a protective thing mm, it's mm. a self-protecting thing I, I just mm. if I actually was more passionate and well not not, not passionate about mm. writing but there's always confusing me from more than one angle that means that you could maybe believe I was on your side if you're a monster <laughs> I don't know oh, do am you, I giving you, sucker are, to the monsters are you giving suckers are you giving sucker to the monsters I hope not no no I hope, I'd, I'd hope it was pretty obvious as well but it's, I'm always surprised oh, so at how people who hold opposite because, the way, because when you write you write about being gay and out and you write about uh, so does Milo Yiannopoulos I'm just the gay that you're allowed to like I'm the gay that- <laughs> <laughs> what like one of those really puffy ones like John Oman they- oh no no <laughs> this, is, this is another aspect of working in the pub like I've had people who say I like you I know I know what you're like but you're alright not like those puffy ones and I, I oh expected to take it as a compliment and I had to say this is there's someone else to serve now but I need to unpack that with you and let's, See, let's do that and like the 20 years ago I took that as the biggest compliment no, of the world. I, I was, was so internalised that's what I was just <laughs> thinking it's that, it's that thing where when you are young and gay the idea of being not puffy or if you're, if you're a lesbian or bisexual not being butch that's that whole fucking cliche about grinder and things like that it's like no femmes no fatties no all that kind of yeah. stuff to me it just seems so blindingly obvious that that's self-hatred I think internalised homophobia to, to do some thinking through it before you get mm-hmm. to acknowledge that yeah. otherwise you're just saying from that point of view it's like, what's your problem I'm just I'm who I am I'm, yeah. I'm normal <laughs> or like, yeah. I'm just straight acting not realising that the very phrase straight, straight acting. acting is some people will not it's yeah. so hard to explain to yeah. someone who used the word straight act, phrase straight acting that it is quite you annoying you could pass <laughs> <laughs> there's a white middle class bloke who's gay but passes for straight mm. yeah I'm pretty much okay thanks yeah, <laughs> yeah. The gay thing was, right. yeah the gay thing like from when I first realised when I was 10 years old mm. which was when I started wanking and started mucking up my mum's curtains <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I honestly thought it was just water. I didn't realise it would create tide marks. <laughs> the day those curtains got washed, I realised, and, and a book appeared saying, Where do babies come from on my desk? Holy shit. Claire Rayner's book, Where do babies come from? It's so this is, this is, we're so off fear, but I'm just fascinated now. Like, like it, we are pre internet oh, people, and I think we're part. better for it. <laughs> we are pre internet people. What did you? What did you find? What, what was your wank fodder when you were pre internet? Well, it was um, catalogues, and I, did, I wasn't just happy with catalogues because there was too much leaving through them. So I would, mm. I did actually have a folded up sheet of A4 between my mattress and my bedstead <laughs> of stuff that I cut out from the gym section of magazines, where you could see a bit of thigh and a. And so all this the is gent- gentlemen in gym equipment. Gentlemen, gentlemen testing out sort of like benches <laughs> and um, <laughs> and a cut out and print stick to a sheet of 
really folded, unfolded, and refolded many times. A four. Oh my god! I this, love it. This is the same period of my life that I was keeping it. I was cutting out Garfield out of the newspaper <laughs> and keeping it in a scrapbook Not because I felt it. like this was important humour that needed to be archived. <laughs> Documenting like the Freeman's catalogue. If I still had that, oh. that, oh no, that's that should be in a museum somewhere. What people went to before the internet, when you could type in anything in the world, and it, and it is still tied into yeah. me because that object that I had, yeah, was evidence that was yeah. like that was my undoing, and I kept. I think I kept it quite safe, but people uh, move matches. But there's a kid you don't think of people moving matches. There's no. things that don't move. Yeah, but I'm sure my mum found it. <laughs> gave me a cup of tea is that has that, yeah. that, that <laughs> the first thing worth wanking in the, in the fighting fantasy books was uh, book number 17 appointment with fear there were two there was the creature of carnage <laughs> the creature of carnage was my favourite he was bending steel girders and he was like I, I liked him so much I coloured him in green <laughs> <laughs> With a crayon, I'm not using... Yeah. <laughs> well, you coloured him green because... Uh, I don't know, it just felt like it was the most intimate thing I could do with him. Nice, I get it. That and there was sense. another one where two, a guy with a four arms mm. uh, and a tiger's head was shoplifting, which is a really bad supervillain thing to be doing. <laughs> was it supposed to be like a warning against shoplifting? Like, don't shoplift kids? Oh, no, like... you were the superhero that was... You had to stop them shoplifting, find them. But yeah. But let's, I, I'm kind of, I feel like this is something that comes up. Maybe it's just because I'm always constantly initiating this conversation, but I feel like at the moment, everyone I know is kind of like calmed the fuck down about talking about anxiety and panic attacks. And I think yeah. it's because we've all just gone, yeah, we all do it. We've all got, we've all got them yeah. and we all have them. And it's, um, and yeah. We experienced the panic attacks are so few and far between mm. that it's, almost feels like if I talked about them I'm trying to pretend I've got it worse than I have but it's always so that to me I think is really interesting the idea that you feel like someone might fake anxiety to what's he more interesting or just get out of shit <laughs> oh really well, I don't know I just worry that because I've, I've there's been periods of time where I've not replied to your things because I've just been like I can't deal with anything else at the moment <laughs> and then I feel really the bad that you feel like a terrible friend because yeah. you, you've got so much on and you don't you can't really put an hour half an hour aside to just catch up with people and then you forget people and mm. put you put your head down I don't want to ever feel like you I'm using the fact that I sometimes can't deal with shit mm. as a way to let people down wow if it was I mean because I mean I end up doing I do let people down because of it but yeah. I'd rather be <laughs> what do I, I'd well, rather people think I was an arsehole yeah, than just, that's, just that's what that sounds like yeah it does me. doesn't it yeah. <laughs> like if you sent me like if I sent you a message going Oh, look at this funny thing I've seen on the tube as, as I do, and then I don't hear from him for three days. My assumption is like he's busy. Well, if you, if you then said, Sorry, I've been busy or doing things, or even if you said, Sorry, I've just been having a bit of a shit time. No, to be fair, yeah. the, the, since the first time when I said I'm to you on sort of like yeah. WhatsApp, when I said, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm not dealing very well, yeah. your response was so instantly, Oh, okay, that's cool. I'm like, <laughs> the biggest breath came out of me. It's like, oh my god! We <laughs> all just admit, you know, anyone I know who's creative and lovely and caring has terrifying moments of anxiety because the world is a terrifying place and we all lack a skin to deal with it. it just feels like, oh, it's great. So it's just like telling someone you got the flu at that point or like a cold. It's That's... like, yeah, I'm just having having a having a rough time today. Then it's then and it's that, fine. And that's it. Like I'm. Yeah, you're gonna get another. Have you thought about going for a 
fun. Uh, <laughs> it really does help. Just a bit of fresh air. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what? Breathe. Yeah. Make a to-do list. Make a to-do list. Work through the list. Self-care. Self-care. I fucking love so, Americans. So. I love Americans at the moment because they're just constantly going about self-care. That bit of self- to me, self-care is just lying with a pillow between your legs and hugging <laughs> yourself. <laughs> just yeah. That, just Rocking. That, just, yeah. Having a lion, going for a run. Not just running around your kitchen, finding any food to eat, like including sucking the old icing off birthday candles, going, must have sugar, must not feel pain. Oh, God. <laughs> Breathe it's- into a bag, have some kale. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lot better now, actually. In the last two and a half years after taking over the pub, mm. taking over a pub and realising that for the first time in your life you are responsible for all the money that comes in and you've mm. got loads of commitments. That was a long period of just falling asleep and staring at the ceiling. But that's just like, you've got a business. Like other people go through that shit. Because you're responsible for other human beings and their feelings and their paychecks and their lives. I, I feel like you would just get into grown-up mode immediately. Like, I can't I can't fuck up on this, or I can't flap about on this. Oh, yeah. because and I went back with the whole thing's like, well, no one's getting paid less than the living wage. This is mm. my... I'm going to do things my way now. And then I got back and thought, oh, fuck, I can't actually afford to pay on the living wage until this pub gets a bit busier. <laughs> and I've got there now, thank fuck. But, like, yeah. this is that hard, that feeling that I'm not living up to my own standards because... Oh, I'm an employer now, and I don't believe in workers' rights. Oh, all of us. Now sudden. you're, now you're, now you're. Um, uh, what's he called, Mister Scrooge? What's he called? Scrooge McDuck. Scrooge McDuck. Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, you're Scrooge. You're Bill Murray in Scrooge, and you're too responsible for things. Um, do well. Yeah. How do you deal with anxiety? That is a hard question because I don't think I don't have any mechanisms of it. Mm. Like, I the panic attack things you mentioned earlier, like that always comes from being misunderstood and not being able to make myself understood Be mm. either because I'm drunk because I've had a lot of my life drunk because that's that's cool <laughs> it's, it's pretty <laughs> I mean to me, to me this mm. now a one-on-one person conversation especially over a microphone this is normally my least comfortable thing because everything mm. every expression on your face it's because I said or done something. <laughs> That's a fucking lot of responsibility. You're smiling now. You see, I'm happy as shit. But if you furrow your brow, madam, you're furrowing your brow. That's really I'm inscrutable. <laughs> that makes that's exciting. Did I you like this? You. I did an inscrutable. Thing. I think I think that I think that's right. I think if I was inscrutable, you'd just be like, God, you'd be like whistle spells, constantly juggling. Ow. Love me, dear podcast connoisseur. It's entirely evident that you know your podcast stuff. Why else are you here? That's why I'm here to recommend Smashpod. What a helpful chap. Now, Smashpod is a podcast celebrating all the Bond films and Bond-related films by those who enjoy, hate, or, you know, just aren't asked about them. Hosted by me, John Rain. If he's half the genius they say he is, we're in for real trouble. So why not join me as I delve deeply into Bond and Bond-related films tackling a different film in each episode with an exciting guest by my side. <laughs> I promise you'll have a lovely time. That's putting it mildly, 007. Oh, shut up, Q. Put your fingers away, for God's sake. I hope you don't snore, Q. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. 
And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to Rule of Three, a podcast about comedy. I'm Joel Morris. I'm Jason Hazley. And as usual, we're joined by someone who makes comedy to talk about something funny that they love. Martin's voice really jumped up Just onto emerged. my back <laughs> and sneaked round to the side of my neck and went down my throat and then came out again. And suddenly, there he was. I think I'm the only scaffolder or ex-scaffolder to have been on a BAFTA-type stage. There's more money in faces. There's more money in faces, but there's no control... That's what I like. I you like can't control. control face. I can't control <laughs> where I put my face. And Rory sort of pitched to James, can the can flute be the last word? Because I think that's the funniest mm. word to end on. And James went, I know it is, and that's why I don't want it to be at the end. But yep. there's this idea that there's a limited amount of space for funny. It's like when men think they have to go out with someone who's not funny. <laughs> as if, like, but if she's funny, what'll I do? You're like, you'll both laugh! <laughs> you will both have a laugh! So, what were we talking about, self-care, or do you want to go on to your choices? I'd like to know no, how you do with your anxiety. Back. My anxiety? I, do you know what? I'm pretty... <clears throat> I think it's because of all these thousands of conversations I've been having lately with people about anxiety. I've, oh. just, I've just started treating it like, just like any other illness. I think it's, I think that's the trap. As soon as, mm. as you say, I sent you, like you said, I'm having a panic attack, whatever, it's like, oh yeah, they're shit, aren't they? Here's some hope you're okay and blah, blah, blah. and I was with a friend of mine who just started having a panic attack and she was so embarrassed and I just I didn't realise that what I was doing was acting like yeah and what which, which 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 to me feels like how I deal with my anxiety which is just like a, oh fuck's sake I've got anxiety again I'm having a panic attack and um, acting like it's a like as if it was a cold or a flu or a sort of you know a bit of athlete's foot or something yeah. that you've got to just kind of like oh for fuck's sake one of those and deal with it because I, I don't have that thing that I think a lot of people with anxiety have which is that they tie it up with art and sensitivity and feeling and I'm I, like if I you know medicated myself or if I took care of myself I wouldn't be the sort of broken poet that I that I know I am <clears throat> and I, yeah. that seems to be a lot of comedians are like that and a lot of writers and um, creative people musicians are all just like the sort of broken poet bit of them is tied up with their depression and I never seen depression as a particularly glamorous thing I've always seen it as a kind of like weird ailment that some people have and some people don't um, yeah I mean that's it's quite it's an over glamorous thing to think that it's the fuel that makes you good in other ways or, yeah um, oh yes I, I may have panic attacks but my god I my can... god the nervous energy that, that makes me panic at times it makes me a glorious 
company at other times. Yes, oh gosh, they should, you sing on a manic upswing. <laughs> and all that. Oh, I'm like Stephen Fry when I'm at my finest. And uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, I think well, for me personally, I never at my best when I'm depressed. I'm never at my best when I'm anxious. And I and I regard depression as kind of a very sort of squitty, stupid, awful relative that pops around and you just have to kind of get rid of them with as much kind of care and calm as possible I think um, the worst thing about mine is I do find myself unable to focus on what you're saying because my brain's thinking about through other things and they're not it's classic are you listening boy <laughs> oh shit I'm being a bad boyfriend <laughs> because, I, because I'm thinking about not what I you're think, saying yes that's the thing if you're if you're not uh, if you if you are with someone and they and they don't get your depression or I wouldn't, more anxiety. I, yeah, I wouldn't go as far as depression. Depression is something beyond what I feel. Anxiety, yeah. then, I, I think I, it's... Yeah. I'll get three or four days I, a I, year sorry, when I'm inexplicably bummed out, but I would, mm. I would never... Yeah. I feel like I'm staking a claim greater than I have to that. I love, I love that you're worried that you're like glomming onto the cool kids. I'm worried that your claims to having had panic attacks. No, no, there's um, there's people even in the pub who do suffer more as much or mm. depression. And I think the fact that they know that I will be instantly chatty to them about it rather than oh, is this what oh you've got that that fair yeah. play rather than just not talk about that sort yeah. of stuff. Don't bring that shit into my pub. This is this is a good time pub. The King Billy is like, anything but a good time pub. <laughs> <laughs> We're like cheers on fucking Xanax. <laughs> I do like the idea of saying people's names as they come in the pub, just so everyone knows each other's names. Oh, that's <laughs> lovely. I love that. Well, let's talk about. Um, first of all, let's talk about your favourite thing that scares you from film or TV. Your favourite scary moment. I think I went to a couple of thoughts on this one. Like, I remember the first ever thing that scared me, my first exposure mm. to horror, and that's like a, a movie called The Burning, which was like, it had a brilliant theme tune, the, the kind of thing that you can hear today in Stranger Things. <laughs> so, okay, can we just stop and call Stranger Things for a minute? <laughs> Did you like no. Stranger Things? Um, I kind of liked that it was a monster that I didn't understand, and I liked the way that they created a world in which... Like the parallel universe. Then. Yeah, I didn't... Mm. And I love that it didn't shy away from that or try to over-explain it. It mm. was just what it was, and we'll deal with more next season. I didn't, I, ten hours, though. Ten hours, yeah. Ten hours to tell a story that's thinner than this plot of E.T. And I hate watching people go mad as well. Or people <laughs> who aren't mad, who are just responding rationally to things and not getting believed. I hate that. <laughs> yes, I know exactly what you mean. It's just... By episode four, you are going to have to introduce someone who believes her soon, or I am just going to fucking stop yeah. watching out pure frustration. That's the, that's the thing; those those fucking Netflix streaming shows where they've got to like you've got to kill ten hours. So even though the plot is essentially about the same as a sort of average film, we have to have a, an hour of stalling. We have to have an hour of them for some reason making a fucking salt bath in a gym, <laughs> and you have to have an hour of Winona Ryder not being believed, or two yeah. hours, or three hours of it. So it's just yeah, watching watching a woman be anxious. And shaky smoking. Yeah, just like an hour. I'm going. I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to find a body stuffed with cotton wool before I believe that yeah. you're I'm going to plunge a knife directly into this child's corpse. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, you're right. It was terrible. Yeah, it was, I'm sorry. I, 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 
I know that people who were younger than me liked it, so I'm going to pretend like because they don't remember the eighties and I remember the eighties, so I'm just like No, I love the music though. I think I love yeah, the music's great. The the fact that it was like, oh, we're just homaging all these amazing eighties horrors and you're like, Yeah, no, I, I like all those eighties horrors you're homaging, so fine, I'll go with it. And then they're just under the skin. We're just like <laughs> three years old or something. And you can't are you allowed to do that's not an homage, that's a rip-off. <laughs> That's a different word. It's not French. <laughs> it's a repurf. Sorry, I'll stop talking about it. This is not my my forum for ranting about how much strange things. Oh, that's no, so my I, time I, of my life. What we just so we talking about the burning, the burning. No, I wasn't going. I thought about the burning because it was my first experience with horror, and I was mm. watching it with my brother, who's like six years older than me. So it felt like I was doing a really grown up mm. thing. <laughs> And it's about, well, it's just the first time I was ever exposed to the kids play a prank on a man. He gets that fire to, runs into a lake, and is assumed dead until next year at camp. Ooh, it's I like of, that. It's, um, yeah. I know the title tells you the plot as well. Well, it's not seen I haven't watched it again since then because I kind of, it doesn't, I don't want to go back to it and ruin it now that I'm fully exposed to it. And that whole idea of that film has been parodied and homage so many times. I was like, it probably won't be that good. No way. But so I the only thing I've taken that is the, just that whole, the first time you're exposed to something and the first time, mm. like, it's all completely new to you. The, the, like, you don't know that the trope exists, yeah. Well, I don't know much. I don't know enough about it to talk about it. I just want to, the first time you're exposed to things that kind of make you feel, that, that, that make you think new things are possible. Mm. I think <laughs> another one, maybe, I think Big Reese Big Night Out did it to me as well. Yes. <laughs> oh, there was some <laughs> fucking terrifying bits in that. Well, it's just, I just, I was sat, you know, I was allowed a TV in my bedroom as a teenager. Uh-huh. It was the biggest gift my parents had gave to me because it meant yeah. I just, just, yeah, away. The biggest gift apart from the carry bag full of shoplifted CDs that my mum confiscated from someone in the pub and gave to me, in <laughs> which I found Viva Hate. <laughs> nice. oh, this is horrible. This is sad. Oh, I'll listen to this again. <laughs> <laughs> and then later on, I'd gone to find out that Bengalian Platforms was a very racist song. The signs were there, Morris. Yeah. You didn't have to actually do National Front Disco. We all knew what you thought. Just like a hate meant it. <laughs> I like hate in foreign. Um, so, hang on. So, you had TV in your bedroom, you watched Victory's Big Night Well, no, that was just um, Victory's Big Night was just, it was just hot wired in my brain. I was thinking, this is, what, what is this? What is this? I've got to master this. Action image exchange. Those things were so fucking horrifying because they were so close to performance art, which I think you would get little flashes of on Channel 4. Action image exchange. We've got a little performance piece to do I'll get now. The, I'll get the tackle. Uh, Nick's really rather cleverly called this um, the facelessness of bureaucracy, and it's very apt because they are bloody faceless. I think. Um, but having said that, I'm going to play this part where I'll be representing the police hiding behind a pensioner's house ready to steal her coal. And I'm, I'm uh, playing the part of the pensioner trying to release herself from the pig's grip. <laughs> so, action, image, exchange. exchange. Um, that were like 
you know, you'd set up, say, telly in your bedroom and you'd watch whatever was on the Channel 4. It, it felt like two in the morning. It probably wasn't. It was probably like 10.30. But yeah, it, it you, there would be some like, here's some performance art and you wouldn't get it. And you'd be like, I don't, will I get this when I'm older? <laughs> will I understand this? I'm but that's, just that actually changes one of the things that your mum and dad would watch as well and they'd mm. laugh at it. Mm. Whereas Man with a Stick kind of mm. thing, like the tour of his helmet... Mm. I, that scene was like there's so many ideas on there yeah and, like, and then I remember reading the Vic Reeves autobiography mm. Meanwhile, mm. and thinking hang on all of the things you mentioned from your childhood have sort of it's just reassembled and now it's on Man, on a, man with the Sticks helmet yeah because it seems so fucking it. what would nowadays be called lol random the the the, the, the victory stuff and then you realise that actually it's two men sincerely trying to do more common wise and just yeah. not being able to it's not because I will never retrospectively go back and not like victory's not big mm. out I know it's dated that's amazing but I still love it yeah. Vic, 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 Vic. What? What are you going to do about Man with the Stick? The man's going insane. He's turned to drink. Can you hear him? Really, <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. You've got to do something with it. You've got to do something about it. What about giving the kids back, for example? That's what it's all about, isn't it? That's, what, that's at the root of it. They've still yeah. got 20 minutes left on the contract. Oh, contract, 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 you. Letter of the law, isn't it? You could give them back. And there's a rumour abound that you've hired them to the Territorial Army for target practice. <laughs> Your time's up. It's the first shout burst fall I've ever had. <laughs> oh, I actually forgot to say. Oh, did you? Oh, so what was your thing? Oh, sorry, I think it was the burning. So it was the, the orphanage. The orphanage. Yes. The horror from the orphanage. Just because. Which I have not seen. So please tell me everything. And what was the scary bit? When they're alone in the dark. Well, it's, it's not... The scary bits are all misleadingly brilliant. Like, I remember having the reading a review before I went to see it, which mm. is... The, I wish I'd never do that. Yeah, never read a review saying, anything you're interested in. And yeah. Because I found out that a child goes missing in it. Mm-hmm. So I spent the first, like, 40 minutes of them waiting for the child to go missing. Oh, God, is it? So there's a bit where the child goes into a cave... And if you are obviously <laughs> what, intending to watch this movie for a long this time ago, it's just spoilers, so don't. It's yeah, just spoilers, it's yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. So that was saying, oh, this is the bit, this is the bit. I'm not enjoying the film, I'm just waiting for the kids to go missing. Oh, that's, yeah, that's bullshit. So, um, the kid eventually does go missing. And it's like watching it casualty. A ghost and you movie. want three and a half minutes of the, of the beginning casualty. You're like, oh, this is going to be good. This person's going to get fucked up. How's yeah. it going to happen? <laughs> they've got a ladder. They've got a hang glider. They're telling their wife everything's going to go. They just renew their life insurance. What's going to go wrong? It's fucking great. Yeah, you can't do that for 40 minutes of a film. Oh, I love casualty. I'm just, <laughs> casualty with so many false flags. That would be amazing. I'd like yeah. to watch a 90 minute episode of casualty. <laughs> yeah, just, just, darling, I'm just going to rewire the house. The, the last Don't five minutes enjoy that affair you're having <laughs> what's going on I'll just clean this gun I'm just having a fag in this oily puddle 
Oh, I totally watched that. <laughs> Just the openings of Casualty. That's what Final Destination is, isn't it? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> um, sorry, you're an orphanage. So what happens? Kid goes in a cave. Kid goes in a cave, doesn't go missing. Mm. Then there's, I, It's been a long time since I've seen it, but I just remember Kid goes missing. It turns into a ghost movie. Mm. And then a certain event happens that makes you realise that none of the last half hour is particularly relevant. Oh, what actually happened, and everything fits with that, is that the woman just knocked the door shut and locked her kid in the basement where he starved to death. Um, so it's kind of like that. So what, of, it's all their imaginings? Well, everything the kid did was interpreted as ghostly behaviour to try and make himself known. And that kind of made my guts rise into my neck. Just the whole, that whole feeling like when you've had a, you find you had to go back and reimagine the film. And I know that's like, like a device. I know the Fight Club did that when you had to go mm. to the very beginning. But it, it was more the kind of like, Oh fuck! I've been going out with you for two years, and the last year neither of us liked each other. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of feeling, having to go back and realise everything, and just putting yourself in the mother's mind when she realised just made my fucking guts drop out. So this like, is not your favourite moment from horror. This is your least. <laughs> oh, well, you wanted a fame one. The moment where I just felt no, no. This, this is, is my fear. Most, this is the one that was moved. That's, the, that's the yeah that. The fear yeah. of just having, having laboured under a false pretension <laughs> like the last two, three years of your life. Having your time wasted. I, I, no. I'm with you. Well, I'm you know, when well, you go back and analyse a conversation, oh, realising you were going through... I wasted complete... my time, like, strange things. <laughs> then I... No, no, I'm not saying it's wasting your time yeah. on bad art or bad, bad TV. Yeah. I'm talking about the equivalent in real life where you've spent six months doing something and realising that it's just been not been perceived how you intended it to be and you've or you just had an argument with someone and you realise it's because you were doing something that you didn't know that you were doing and it annoyed them and that put them in a way why are you being like that now you're annoying me and suddenly you're having a screaming match walking down the street having just (laughs) left a club because you couldn't decide who didn't want to be there and you realise that neither of you wanted to be there but you both wanted to stay because you thought the other person wanted to stay and now you're screaming (laughs) even though you're both doing what you actually wanted to do and that's that's what I got from the orphanage (laughs) I completely see why the thing (laughs) gives you the fear. (laughs) Is locking your kid in the basement until he dies. (laughs) Nothing. There's nothing to unpick there. (laughs) I'm locking children in the basement every day of my life. There's a little edge of that plaster's just lifted, just like I could get my nail under it and just pick away at that little scab. I'm not going to. I'm going to walk away. From it. I'm going to leave it there. Well, I feel like there's nothing left to explore. I think we're good. So we have just this to your child. Tell me about easy subject. Tell me about your childhood. Tell me about what you're scared of as a kid. Oh, we've been through um, all the gay stuff, but I wasn't really scared of that we- until I wasn't a kid anymore, and I had to come out. It was easy hiding it. So like you just for, for ten from ten when I first decided that I was gay, and I had to. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to do anything about this until I am actually going to be using the penis. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, um, yeah, so, I so did, that wasn't worrying until I got to high school, or whatever you call it in England, <laughs> where I'm from. Where are you from? Sixth form college. <laughs> and um, there was a gay who looked like Morrissey there. Mm-hmm. And I, I, was, I told him, and he kept trying to encourage me out, and it was like having a ghost beckoning you down a corridor. It was horrible. And, yeah, so eventually... 
it turned out all my mates knew anyway so nah, that's, that's not a source of so fear the, so the whole straight anything thing was, was bullshit then. well the whole well the fact that everyone else was hungrily sniffing for vouch <laughs> it's more sexist if you say it in a very kind of way but I just didn't show any interest I thought I was just oh, so the I'll, fact, show so, for, so, I'll show support so, for everyone else so the fact that you didn't have an interest in girls meant that you were gay rather than asexual or in in, in these enlightened yeah, times there's more of a spectrum of sexuality in the 90s you'd be going hard pressed to suggest mm. oh, the, the first choice after heterosexuality mm. isn't asexuality mm. no, yeah. Um, yeah but anyway that's not a source of fear for me that's um, that was, was when you but no but you're a child you're dealing with you're dealing with the fact that you know you like a thing that you're not meant to that's I used to the, mo- the thing that most terrifies me the thing that I I remember as a most vivid sort of tingle that went from my nuts to my brain mm-hmm. was when we got given walkie talkies mm. me and my brother got given walkie talkies as a present on Back Christmas stranger things again yeah. and he used to say you go and hide mm. and I would hide and he'd look for me saying I'm going to kill you <laughs> on the walkie talkie and I it was just so going to kill you <laughs> and I'd be hiding in things like the air in cupboard mm-hmm. and not realising that his uncanny ability to find where I was was because he could hear his fucking voice on my walkie talkie how I, old are you? Um, well I was six years younger than my brother so mm. uh, yeah I'd have been six or something like that okay that's yeah that's it, fair enough that's fair yeah. but that is but this is quite self-inflicted wounds I, no, like, no. I like that it's like you went to hide no, you but were I, complicit in all of this oh yeah and I and yet it, while I was terrified I still remember mm. fucking loving it mm-hmm. I remember just um, do you are you one of those people who likes to be scared do you enjoy the fear of being yeah I enjoy out of control there's some jump scare jump scare video games that mm. I play and like if you're playing a video game that's designed to scare you, mm. then you have to love it because you're, you're mm. complicit in it. Every move you make is yeah. bringing you closer to what you know is an inevitable scare. Like you can just step away. Like movies, mm. it's kind of it's not already your fault. Someone's chosen when to scare <laughs> you. But like if you play something like Five Nights at Freddy's, which is a ridiculous, stupid game, it's just a Freddy's. All, Five Nights at Freddy's, uh, the first Kruger. game. Is that, just, is that Kruger? Sorry, I'm, no, so, no. I'm so ungamesy. I'm so sorry. Sorry, but um, basically, the first game, you are... Can we talk about Leisure Suit You've been in play. <laughs> <laughs> I was never scared of Leisure Suit Larry. Oh, I was. <laughs> the overt sexuality. I wasn't able to answer the quiz questions. <laughs> no to unlock Because it was all American <laughs> questions. Who's, who's Eisenhower? Fuck you. <laughs> I don't, I don't. There was stuff about George Burns. Anyway, <laughs> that's, you know, that's the... Sorry, five games at five days. Five Nights at Freddy's. Nights Freddy's. You basically you, you start the game. You've got a job in a basically it's Chuck E. Cheese's Wally Weasels. You know Wally Weasel from Simpsons. Oh yeah, That's sort of Chuck like Happy okay. Birthday. You're the mm. birthday. You're mm. the birthday girl. A boy. It's animatronic, <laughs> mons, animatronic animals. Mm-hmm. You've got the job as a security guard. You've got a limited number of CCTV cameras, and you just have to monitor them over the night and survive five nights at Freddy's. Okay. And of course. After about an hour, the monitors occasionally go fuzzy and mm. the animals are moving around. Mm-hmm. And you've got to keep track of them as you cross-reference the map and you know they're getting close to you. And you turn the light on and then... It's, it's mm. just... It's not a great game. It was made by one guy. Okay. And for that reason, it is a great game. Okay. <laughs> I, I wish I'd made it. That's the fact that you're complicit and addressed, the fact that you click on a CCTV monitor knowing that it's mm. probably going to either not terrify you, yeah. which makes the next time you click on it, it does mm. terrify you, slightly more terrifying. Yeah. 
So that, that's a, I think video that's, games. That's, yeah, if you, 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 you make a choice to be out of control, then that's yeah. that's quite empowering in in yeah in choosing to go on a roller coaster or watch a horror film or uh, yeah, but that's yeah. a that's a moment of choice, whereas this is a continued process <laughs> of choice. Like, so you do, so you do like once, so what you're saying that, is you do like being you do like being frightened. Oh yeah, I, yeah. You like no, feeling I, out I like the fact that it makes me shout out loud and say fuck <laughs> off to a monitor, just right. the, the futile thing. And that, this game with your brother when you were a child was was the same when you were hiding behind the radiator <laughs> yes I am very slim so hiding behind the radiator is entirely <laughs> possible <laughs> yeah, you, were, you were some anaglypto wallpaper in seven <laughs> It would be great if I was the lady in the radiator from a razor head whilst my brother was hunting me down. I would have scared the shit out of him. <laughs> so, well, do you feel like... This is, this is an interesting question. Do you feel like we've covered fear you live with now? Um, well, I think... Oh, no. I, God, sorry. The last thing. What? I'm going to say that this, yeah. what my genuine fear from childhood was. Okay. Oh, my God. There's more. Public speaking. And it's a two-pronged story <laughs> in that it starts... I do like two-pronged. <laughs> That's it. Sorry, a bifurcated story. <laughs> I just remember the first time when I was... We used to go to this um, Nalgo holiday camp, and Nalgo mm-hmm. was the National Association of Local Government Officers. We, uh, it's a wonderful non-acronym, I love it. Nalgo. Yeah, it's not a real word, it's, it's not an acronym, but it's it? initialism, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's, it's a lovely... Mm. The, the Nalgo holiday camp was like Butlins, but mm-hmm. for people who worked for local government, I suppose. Mm. And um, every year I'd go there and see the same sort of group of friends that I'd just be the one weaker year friends. Mm. And they all went the same week every year as well. And it was like, but there was the ballroom in which you'd be entertained nightly by a yellow coats. There were nothing short of yellow coats. Okay. And the fir- first time when I realised that I loved public speaking <laughs> was when a woman on stage said to the crowd, as they're in the middle of an act, it was so she'd been sort of like entertaining everyone, doing a song and that, said, how old do you think I am? And I think I said something like 52. Wow. How old are you? I was about nine at the stage. Okay. And everyone laughed and I had no idea why. Right. <laughs> it's like, I know this. Okay, it's now like, I, yeah. At the time I, I was thinking, what, if I did a higher good. number, would that have been funnier? Yeah. Is it because that's the number of cards there are? <laughs> and it's oh, weird. adult laughter when you're a child. There's yeah. nothing, yeah, and you're trying to unpick it. And yeah. my mum and my aunt was sort of going, oh, you? It's like, I'm getting so much approval for this, and I don't can't work it out. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so um, spent a lot of time wondering how many, what numbers were funny. And it just turned out as the cruelest possible thing because she was in her 40s and it was a believably cruel number. <laughs> oh, um, mate, at least you got to the bottom of that mystery. Yeah, it's it's d- deflating. It's just when, like, I, when I was a kid, I, I, um, I knew the word dog's body from Blackadder, mm-hmm. but I kind of thought it meant someone who worked with someone. And I remember calling someone who worked at my dad's pub a dog's body. Oh, God, that's... <laughs> and not realising it was like a... No, I knew. And knowing that they probably thought that you know, dad, the, you're only calling that because your dad calls it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know in the Blackadder titles it says, Baldrick, a dog's body. Yes. <laughs> and I, was like, I just thought that meant a person who worked for... Oh, God. Oh, God, I've actually just gone a bit skin crawling. Um, and the, but then, <laughs> I don't know if it was the same year or a different year, but there was something called Prince Croyd, because it was held in Croyd Bray, and I wanted to be Prince of Croyd. <gasps> And, uh, the Prince of Croyd. I think this is a cliche what happened to me, but it was no less agonising for it. Went up on stage, asked me my name, nailed it, asked me where I was from, I told them I was from England. <laughs> 
at Croyd Bay. I didn't know I hadn't gone on a good holiday. <laughs> I thought I was just as far away as possible away from where you go on holiday <laughs> if you're a good family. So, and then everyone laughed at me. I didn't know why. I ended up saying, I am. I am from England. <laughs> Oh, you didn't know where it got off? No, I didn't. I didn't work. It took me long, as long to work out why 52 was funny as it did yeah. to work out why I am from England or something. Um, yeah, so I ran off the stage crying and <laughs> straight back through a crowd of people who were still laughing. And how are you with public speaking now? Um, well. <laughs> this doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is not... <laughs> No, I'm yes, still... It's a pretty loud. Well, with my podcast, we do live shows, but I am mm. really not focused on the audience while I'm there. I, really? Except for occasionally I'll see someone and go, oh, hello, I know you, I like you. But no, I, I, I think I your can't. Desire to, your desire to make sure that everyone there is having a nice time overrides your fear of... Um, public embarrassment and maybe just the fact we've done it so many times now is just Possibly. a little bit numb to yeah. it but yeah I think the first times we did live shows of regular features was fucking weeks of <laughs> cr- your nuts crawling slowly up your spine I don't want to when was the last time you were really scared just before starting this <laughs> really because this yeah, is a one like I said earlier I think this is a one on one conversation so mm. like if this fails it's not your fault because you done a lot of these podcasts that I've listened to and I've enjoyed See, that's so really it can only be my fault yeah because to me that's really interesting because to me I think it's like it's entirely my responsibility this thing like this thing is like if I don't get the best out of my guests I've failed yeah. I, don't feel, I don't feel like if I'm not constantly getting my fingernail under that plaster and like and and yeah, <laughs> yeah but you've had, him off, you've had him off pointless on and bloody Jupiter's face <laughs> What does that mean? Well, it means... That means nothing. Well, I hope you tell them that. (laughs) Those those talented, kind people who gave me their time are meaningless. No, they were still... They're human beings. They they talked and I had to, you know, elicit a conversation with them. So, you know. But isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting the whole world thinks they're less important than the rest of it? Only the good half. Exactly. The other half? The second... Rule over us! The second you start thinking, (laughs) yeah, you're better than anyone else. Anyway, that was... Thank you so much, Jonathan Blythe. Yeah. (laughs) By your full name. Jonathan Lee Blythe. (laughs) Jonathan Lee, I knew knew, knew that. I didn't need to say it. Um, That was lovely. Thank you so much. Oh, no, thank you for... um, (laughs) Let's stop talking. Getting more and more excited. (laughs) Is this podcast over yet? This podcast is over. Thank you. High five. Apple! I'm Julia Rayside and I'd like to invite you aboard my podcast. Always There is the only podcast to navigate through every single episode in order of the 1980s seafaring soap opera, Howard's Way. I mean, if we're talking lacquer, we need to go back to Polly, who's got 28 cans of Elmet. It was definitely um, yeah. feeling horrible that you hadn't done your homework. Yeah. Obviously, Lynn is immediately in a bikini. It's, it's a freezing day in, I'm guessing, I was February. I that swing pool looks f***ing freezing. You don't have to love Howard's Way or even remember it. We're going to talk about it anyway, because I think it's brilliant. Jack still feels very much at sea. I can't help reaching for these puns. I'm so yeah. sorry. 
sorry. No, but it's important. He doesn't really acknowledge how grave... What an ocean of trouble Thank you. It is. This is why we got you on your there bloody you see. That's all I've got. I'm leaving now. Available from your usual podcast supplier. Find us on Twitter at AlwaysTherePod. Somebody's nicked my bloody boat! Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon.